Awesome. Uh, this morning, uh, I jokingly uh, want to tell you this is a Mother's Day message, okay? Uh, if you went through the Bible and you uh, picked out all the mothers of the Bible, uh, this could be one of the mothers of the Bible. We're going to speak of a mother and how she uh, deals with her husband and how she deals with her daughter. Uh, this is not an example of anything. Uh, in fact, if I would do this on a Mother's Day, uh, I would be fired. And you say, do you really have a boss? I'd say all of you would fire me. Um, mothers. And uh, as I look at this, uh, this passage that um, I'm going to be sharing uh, from the book of Matthew, it's probably the worst scene in the Bible that I've ever preached. Uh, like I've preached, like I, I've read the Bible. I've, uh, and most of you know my method of preaching. I didn't make this up. I'm just following others in others' footsteps as I just go passage to passage to passage. And this is the next passage, okay? So uh, I didn't think about you this week and go, you know, this is what they really need to hear this week. Uh, this is what God thought you should hear this week. And, uh, uh, with all those disclaimers, uh, open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. As we look to God's Word, if you'd stand in honor of God's Word, I'd like to read to you the first 13 verses. God's Word says this, uh, at, at that time, Herod the Tetrarch, Tetrarch uh, heard about the fame of Jesus, and he said to his servants, This is John the Baptist. This is John the Baptist. He has been raised from the dead, and that is why these miraculous powers are at work in him. For Herod had seized John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. Because John had been saying to him, it is not lawful for you to have her. And though he wanted to put him to death, he feared the people because they held him to be a prophet. But when Herod's birthday came, the daughter of Herodias danced before the company and pleased Herod so that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she might ask. Prompted by her mother, she said, Give me the head of John the Baptist here on a platter. And the king was sorry, but because of the oaths and his guests, he commanded it to be given. He sent and had John beheaded in the prison, and his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl. And she brought it to her mother. And his disciples came and took the body and buried it, and they went and told Jesus. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. God, I ask your blessing on this time. I ask that you would help us to focus on your word ask that we would hear from you today, uh, that we would not reject the message, but that we would accept it. 
We thank you for your word. We thank you for you speaking to us into our lives. Help us to be the soil that takes it in and is changed by it. God, uh, cause us to bear much fruit. We thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. How's that for a passage? As we look at this passage this morning, I I just want to walk through it. And hopefully you will see, you will see what the culture of the day of Jesus was like. Uh, The heart of man has not changed since the garden. Uh, Since sin entered the world, the heart of man has not changed. Uh, We have had times and places where uh, sin has been more prevalent in culture, but the heart of man has always been the same. And as we read this and as we see this, it's difficult for us to grasp how wicked men can be. In chapter 14, actually, as we look at the end of chapter 13, we realize that Jesus was rejected by his hometown people. Uh, We looked at that and we saw that Jesus was there before them and they should have thrown a parade as we looked at. They they should have rolled out the red carpet, but they did not. They, They were in fact offended by him. And this morning, as we look uh, to Matthew chapter 14, we will see again the rejection of Jesus, that those hate him for being who he is. And so much hatred pours out uh, in the life of John the Baptist because of Jesus. As we look at this uh, in verse 14, the first two verses, we see in real time what's going on. It says that at that time, meaning as part of the chronology, as after the time where he was rejected by his own, after the time of the parables that he shared with them, uh, it says that Herod, the Tetrarch, and that that word Tetrarch means one-fourth, really the idea of one-fourth of the king. Uh, It's the idea that the kingdom would be split, split up into four pieces, and he was over one-fourth. It was like a, a second layer of king, if you will. Uh, a smaller portion. It describes this Herod as being uh, one-fourth of the kingdom. In reality, it was probably one-third. It was just a section of it. Um, it. That he had heard about the fame of Jesus. And when you hear about the fame of Jesus, what would he have heard? He would have heard healing. He would have heard teaching. He would have been hearing a new way that there's a new king. He would have heard parables. And what about this is so offensive? What about this is so threatening? Well, uh, the only thing that would be threatening would probably be the idea of being king, right? When you're a Herod, you don't like other kings because you see yourself as king. So you see Herod the Tetrarch, he heard of the fame of, uh, or the reports of Jesus. This particular uh, man that we're speaking of in this passage was son of Herod the Great. Herod Antipas in uh, history is identified. Uh, and he 
was over this one section, really the section of where Jesus had been living and ministering. So, so in his area of rule, in his domain and dominion, the place where he was over, he heard of the fame of Jesus in, in his place. And so he heard of that from his people, from his men, from the, the, the underlings were coming. Have you heard of Jesus? Have you heard of Jesus? And, and this is his response. This is what he begins to think of. And he said to these attendants, verse 2, This is John the Baptist. He is risen from the dead. That is why miraculous powers are at work in him. Pretty weird uh, thought, isn't it? He hears of Jesus and he goes, it's got to be John the Baptist, risen from the dead. Uh, do people rise from the dead? Is that like a common occurrence? It, it, you know, it, it's as if, you know, the ghost has appeared, you know. John the Baptist, the zombie is showing up, okay? And, and we... Uh, we, we say, that seems ridiculous. That seems like a crazy man. That's fine for someone on the street to say, someone who's out of their mind. But this is the king. And you get a glimpse of him being paranoid and even not thinking clearly regarding Jesus. And you have to ask why. Why is there paranoia and, and threat because of Jesus? I want to tell you, um, you want to ruin a good conversation, bring up Jesus. That's the way to do it. That's the way to do it. Uh, family gatherings, man, you can, you can set a bomb off inside by that, you know. We had a, a man in the uh, church, a very outspoken man many years ago, and at Thanksgiving, uh, they're, they're sitting down at the meal and uh, they're a few minutes into the meal and Thanksgiving, you know, the big table, you know, 12, 15 people or so. And he says, I want to know who loves and believes in Jesus here. And just raise your hand, you know, uh, it ruined a good Thanksgiving, right? It separates, it, it, it's offensive. Why? Why is there this fear of Jesus? Why is there this big threat? When you, you, we see it in Herod's life, this particular Herod, Herod Antipas, we, we see it in his life, but he's got reasons. He's got reasons, and they're described in the following verses. But know this, that if you don't love and walk, submit to the King Jesus, I want to tell you, you you'll be afraid of him your whole life. You'll be afraid of his power, You'll be afraid of his effect. You say, I, I've got it on my own, but oh no, where is he? What, what's he going to do? Is he going to find find me? And is he going to get me for what I've done? You know why? Because you're not right with him. You're not right with him. It, it, if he is not your king and you are his subject, if he's not your savior and you're the one saved from your sins, you will you will have this kind of relationship. You will think things that are wrong. You will uh, perceive things. You will fear things because the biggest one being death, right? I 
I want to break it to you this morning. Death is coming. Are you ready? And so this man, this powerful ruler, king, if you will, uh, he was afraid of Jesus. In fact, so much so that he brings about these crazy ideas that John the Baptist reincarnate. That's why he has these miraculous powers. We go on. uh, Matthew records for us why he's afraid of Jesus. Why he has this thing about John the Baptist. Why? There's some history. It's, It's past. It's still affecting his day. It goes like this. Uh, you, you look at down at verse 3. It says that Herod had arrested John. This is in the past that he had John arrested and bound him and put him in prison because of Herodias. Now, this is going to get complicated real quick here, okay? Because their names are pretty similar, okay? Herod, Herodias. Uh, Herodias is his wife. Okay, is his wife. Okay, Herod Herodias. They're pretty close name. It's like, um, it's going to get complicated. Okay, uh, uh, it, I tell you that Herodias is Herod Antipas's wife, but in this passage it says it's his brother Philip's wife, which is also true. In fact, um, there's probably... Uh, the reason God wanted us to hear it this way, because he, he, he doesn't want to acknowledge the new wedding over the old wedding. Okay. So, and, and Herod Antipas brother is Philip. Okay. Antipas and Philip are brothers. Boy, this is going to get complicated. So now, so now Herod Antipas has a new wife. Who is it? Herodias. But that was Philip's wife. Okay, you with me so far? Um, and, and John, apparently in the past, this is what got him in prison. John had been saying to him, it is not lawful for you to have her. It's not lawful for you to be married to her. And you say, well, why? A uh, number of reasons. But one, you're not supposed to be married to your brother's wife. I want to make this clear this morning, okay? Not supposed to be married to your brother's wife. But know this, too. That Herodias, she's the lady, right? Who was married to Philip. Was also his other brother's daughter. Which would have made her his niece. Okay? It's clear. I'll get a diagram for you later. And John, John, in the midst of this, somehow has some hearing with Herod. And what does he say? He says this. It is not lawful for you to have her as your wife. It is not right for you to to be married to her. It's wrong. The things that you are doing are wrong. This is what John said to him. In fact, you know, it's interesting about um, authority. If you have all the authority and someone tells you you're wrong, you go, who cares? I'm in charge. 
You can tell me you're, I'm wrong all day long, but I'm not going to do anything because I'm in charge here. I can be right just by being king. Uh, some of you have heard the phrase, it's good to be king. It's good to be king. So th- there was a guy who was king and John the Baptist wasn't king. And John the Baptist told the king, you shouldn't be married to her. It's not right. It's wrong. And as part of this, I want you to connect it. Why is it wrong? Why is it wrong? Because there's a God of the universe, a creator in heaven, who made things and set up this earth as he desired and as he designed. And according to him, he has made right and wrong. And you're wrong because you're not listening to him and you're doing your own thing, just doing what you want. John the Baptist said that and it didn't go so well for him. It ended, he ended up in prison because of that. You get this picture. John uh, said something that got him thrown in prison. Why? Because he was wrong? No. Because he said it to the wrong person. Because uh, he probably didn't just say it once and then retract. But he said, no, no, you misunderstood. Let me be more clear. You're wrong. Your life is... Your decisions are wrong in the eyes of God. King. Herod. Oh, live forever. (laughs) Um, This is what John shared with them. And he says, it's not lawful for you. And it says this, that Herod wanted to kill John. He didn't just want... Prison was the best he could do under the circumstances. But he wanted to kill him. He he wanted to, to... say, you will speak no longer, uh, I'll kill you, John. But he was afraid of the people because they considered John a prophet. It's interesting, uh, he's a big, powerful man, right? He's a king. He, he's over, he has his jurisdiction, he has his land, he's in charge. When he rolls in, they all bow down and because he's the king. But what a weasel, right? He's afraid of shadows. He's afraid of shadows. And he's afraid of people. He's afraid of people, which uh, you put him and John the Baptist side by side. John the Baptist didn't sound very afraid of people. He walked up to the king and said, hey, king, you're wrong. Uh, Not just in some of the ways that you're uh, ruling here, but in your life, your morals. The way you see marriage is wrong in the eyes of God. So John, uh, I'm struggling to find words for this again. John gets himself involved with Herod, who's married to Herodias, who's Philip's wife, but also Herod's niece. He says, it's not lawful for you. John says this. John gets thrown into prison, and but he's still popular because some consider him a prophet. And then there's the birthday party, verse 6. Herod's birthday, uh, on Herod's birthday. And there's even a phrase, we don't use it, but the Herod's birthday. And and if you would use that, it's been used in writings in the past, the the idea of Herod's birthday. It it speaks of this uh, just awful, filthy, sinful party where everything goes. 
There's all kinds of food. There's all kinds of wine. There's all kinds of people. They're doing whatever. It's filled with filth and immorality over. It's just a party that is just repulsive. But it's the Herod's birthday, so he can do whatever he wants. So it comes to Herod's birthday, and this is what happens at the birthday. I struggle to share this. I hope that you see me fumbling up here. Um, most of the time, as a pastor, you take something small and you try to describe it in intricate detail uh, so that it will uh, make impact and people will remember it and they can find themselves there. I don't want you at this party, okay? I, I don't want you to show up here, okay? We're breezing through. Most of our imaginations are good enough, okay? But but you see this and at this Herod's party... The daughter of Herodias, okay? Not Herodias, but the daughter. We don't know how old she is. We can assume her to be younger than her mom. But maybe they figured out a way. I mean, this is such a mess here. Uh, You got Herod's birthday. The daughter of Herodias danced for the guest and pleased Herod so much. Uh, We... uh, I'll just say this. I'll just say this. Uh, This language in here is as perverse as you can imagine. As perverse as you can imagine. This was not uh, some kind of square dancing, okay? This was not that kind of dancing. It it was for the pleasure of the people there. It, It was not something with elegant gowns, okay? This was perverse and and it says that she danced and it says the outcome was that her stepdad if you will and and the history tells us who this what this daughter was is Salome and she she was Philip's daughter had with Herodias okay so this too is Herod Antipas's niece. Okay? So it's his niece. Not his daughter. It's his stepdaughter, but it's also his niece because he's also married to his niece, which was his brother's wife. This is what it is. This, this, is, this is the scripture. Okay? This is what life was. This is the history. It says this, that she was the entertainment of the night. The daughter was the entertainment of the night. If you can picture Herod getting his friends together, a bunch of losers just like him, a better class of loser, uh, maybe rich, maybe powerful men, gathered around, and he brings his stepdaughter in, his niece, his family member, and she's the entertainment of the night. And this was pleasing to Herod. He loved it. He loved it. He enjoyed uh, her. Verse 7, it says this, And he promised with an oath to give her whatever she asked. So he's making a big deal at this at this party, and it lets out to his guests as well as her, you can have whatever you want. In fact, it says in other passages, up to half of his kingdom. 
You can have whatever you want. And then it says this, the mom re-enters, prompted by her mother, Herodias. She says, give me here on a platter the head of John the Baptist. John the Baptist is in prison. Uh, Verse 9 says, the king was distressed, but because of his oaths and his dinner guests, meaning because he had promised, but probably not just because he had promised, because everyone was watching that he promised. Uh, he ordered that her request be granted and had John beheaded in prison and his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl who carried it to her mother That was the scene at Herod's party. Never been to a birthday party like that. That was what he gathered. This is what happened. And the wickedness of his wife, which was really his brother's wife, was so much so that she requested that this would happen and that the daughter... Uh, probably being just like her, filthy and perverse and as wicked, obliged her mother by teaching and then brought it to her mother. This was what happened at the party. As we look at this, um, I mean, I could go on. Uh, Even reading and studying this passage was... Uh, awful and to describe it in vivid detail um, would leave you with nightmares Um, this is what happened so John died he was beheaded and it just says not a whole lot here but it says in verse 12 John's disciples came took his body buried it and then they went and told Jesus I connect the next verse to this passage, I know in your Bibles it probably breaks it up. Those are just man-made breaks, but it all goes together. If you look at Jesus' response to hearing of his beloved forerunner, the one who went before him, the one who was family, but also was the one who, who cleared the way for Jesus to come, the first message of Jesus, the one to point to him, the one who had the same message as him. It says this, as, as you look at... Uh, Verse 13, when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. You look at this, there's a withdrawal of Jesus. And some have suggested he was fearing that he too would die as well. I don't believe that's true. Uh, Jesus was more like John the Baptist than he was like Herod, right? Herod was the chicken here. John the Baptist was fearless. And so Jesus, this was the death of a friend, This was a death of a partner in ministry, a family member. Jesus withdrew in grief and consideration of what had happened to John the Baptist and maybe even connecting it with his own ministry and saying, he died for me. He died because of me. It says he withdrew, uh, but then it says what continued on, He withdrew, um, and hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. 
You say, well, what's the big thing of that? Nothing is big. Nothing has changed. John the Baptist died. Herod was fearing him. And the crowds still wanted to hear about Jesus. Nothing's changed. John the Baptist lost his head. He died. Jesus is connected with John the Baptist. Herod's fearing him. Jesus continues, continues to do his work. People continue to want to know about Jesus. I want to give you a few uh, concluding thoughts that hopefully will be helpful for you. Um, this morning, um, at, our, at our house, I try to ask you know, the kids. I always check up on Brandon. I want to make sure he's doing a good job. That's funny. Some of you laugh because you know Brandon and I don't need to check up on him. But I say, hey, what, what did Brandon talk about today? And they tell me. Um, this afternoon, uh, someone, you might bump into someone. Hey, I went to church today. Hey, what did they talk about? You really want to know? I got something to talk to you about. Um, concluding thoughts. The first one is this. And hopefully this will be helpful for you as you connect the dots for yourself. Uh, we should love it when someone tells us that we're wrong. We should love it. We should love it. And you say, what? What does this have to do with anything? Do you understand what that could have meant for Herod? That, that he got to interact with John the Baptist. And John the Baptist said, you're wrong. He could have repented right then. He could have changed I want to tell you, uh, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not this great culture guy. Like I haven't studied history as little as possible. I'd even say that. Okay, um, I, 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 in my interaction with humans, okay, in my interaction with humans, nobody can hear when they're wrong. Nobody can hear it anymore. Nobody, you can't tell anyone you're doing something wrong anymore. And and you say, you say, well, what do you mean, Pastor? I mean that you're wrong. You're wrong. Do you know that there's things in your life right near now that are wrong? And if someone would dare to tell you, you should accept that as blessing and a work of God. And you should embrace them, hug them. Thank them over and over again. Thank you for reminding me of the truth. Thank you for reminding me of God. Because we're all going to die someday and it's not going to matter whether we got our way, whether we did what felt right, whether we were fumbling through, doing whatever our, our last generation, this is the way... You want to know that you're right with God. And for someone to tell you you're going the wrong way, you're doing the wrong thing, is a blessing. You you know what? Uh, We should be asking people, inviting them in, checking in with them and saying, hey, do do you think I'm doing this right or wrong? Do you think God would be pleased with this or would he not? How, How do you think my parenting's going? How do you think my marriage is going? 
How do you think the, the way our family spends time and the way we spend money, the way we're, how do you, are we doing okay? I need your input. Tell me what you think God thinks of my life. We need that. And you know what Herod and his wife, brother, daughter, niece, probably the nephews too. They said, don't tell me anything that's wrong. Don't tell me when I'm wrong. I share this with you uh, because I I think we're stubborn people. And and I want to tell you, I haven't been at your house this week. I've just been at my house. Okay? And in my interactions with the Boslers, we don't like it when people tell us we're wrong. But it's what we need. People willing to love us so much to tell us the truth and say, you're wrong. Embrace it. Embrace it. It's okay to be wrong. It's good for when you're corrected. Second point. The truth will get you beheaded. And that's okay. And that's okay. The truth will get you beheaded. And that's okay. Um, when, when you tell someone they're wrong and they don't like it, you walk away and you're, you're, you're making notes, note to self, Siri, take a note. Uh, don't do that again. Don't share the truth with them again. Keep to yourself. Don't care about them ever again because they don't like it. We, we could look at this story and say, uh, John the Baptist, uh, what can you learn about this? Don't, don't tell a Herod, don't give a Herod marriage advice, even when it's wrong. I don't think that's what John the Baptist would tell us. I don't think that's what Jesus would tell us. He'd say, sometimes you're going to get beheaded, and that's okay. John the Baptist didn't do anything wrong. We don't have this judgment from Jesus saying, you shouldn't have said that. Speak the truth and we'll get you beheaded and that's okay. This is not a political statement that I want to make right now and I want to connect it to the truth here. Um, we, we, have, we have the Bible. We have the Bible. God has directed us from His Word. And based upon that, based upon that, I'll tell you, abortion is wrong. Based upon that. Not based upon my experience. Not based upon a vote. Not based upon uh, a doctor or a scientist. But based upon what God has said, it's wrong. I want to also say... uh, That it is not, based upon what God has said, what He has recorded in His Word, a man and a man and a woman and a woman should not be married. I I, want to tell you that, not because I want you to vote in a certain way, but I want you, as you counsel with people, as you talk to family members, I want you to get it set in your mind that God is the one who directs my thoughts. God is the one who, you know what? 
you may disagree with God on that. You, you may think it's okay. If, if love is present, it doesn't really matter. It, you may think that that's, that, that may be your thoughts, but I want to tell you, based upon what God has said, you are wrong. You are wrong. And, and if God tells you you're wrong, it's good for you. It's good for you. It, it's, it, it's, it's safety for you. And if others would follow after God, it would be good for them. It would be God's best for them. And, and you say, well, how does this all this work together? I want to tell you how it works together. God is your creator. God, God is the one who has made you. And he knows what's best for you. And you know what? He's the creator of your family members. He's the creator uh, of your friends. He's the creator of your buddies you went to school with, your college roommates. He's, he's the creator of all. And he knows what's best for them. And if they disagree with them, guess what? It's bad for them, just as it was for Herod. Truth. It's not about voting. It's about your conversation, your love for those around you. The truth might get you beheaded, and that's okay. That's okay. Lastly, I just want to say this. Continue on. Continue on. Uh, you say, where do you get that? Well, uh, Jesus was getting kicked out of his own town. <laughs> they, didn't want to, they were offended by him there. His best ministry partner, his family member, his friend, John the Baptist, gets beheaded. It hurts him. He loves him and grieves, but there's more work to be done. Don't quit. Don't quit. There's this uh, rhythm to this passage where Jesus went about his business. We'll see that in the next passage. He just goes about his business, continues on. Oh, what if I lose my head? What if? Uh, that discourages me. It makes me weep. I still got work to do. So I got to keep going. This is what it is to have a new king. Jesus didn't come to do what he, we wanted him to do, to fit into our perverse life, our perverse world. He didn't come to bless our mess. He came to be our one and only king. And this is the way we should live. Please join with me in prayer. Father God, um, I struggle with this passage and I struggle that um, this may or may not be helpful for your people. And Lord, I ask that you, uh, through your spirit, would make it effective in this group. I pray for the offended hearts here right now. I pray that they would embrace the truth and abandon their own ideas. I ask that they would understand that you love them. Greater than their own thoughts, greater than their family, greater than... Uh, being a part of this great country or any group or whatever, you love them more. God, do your work in your church. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for being here today. You are dismissed. Can use a sorrow break eternal.